Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Welcome to Simple Church. I uh, got some things I want to celebrate with you, but we are going to jump into our message on week two of this series called The Book of Ruth. But I do want to celebrate one thing, something that has been on my vision board and we have been praying about for some time here as a church. We want to make sure that we're using all that God has given us to advance the kingdom. Amen, everybody? And uh, this building is one of those things that he has given us. And if you know the story of this building, you know that God was involved in it and it was just an incredible journey. Uh, and I don't have time to tell that story. That's not the point. But we want to make sure that we are using what God has given us well. And one of the things we've been praying for is for an international church to, to identify uh, an international church that needs a building, a place to meet. Because what happens with... Um, with international churches is they, they start meeting in like their homes and then it turns into like 60 to 80 people in their homes, dangerous situation. And they're all of a sudden like, we need a church. And so we've been praying for one, looking for one. We've talked to multiple, but guess what, Simple Church? We've got one. And uh, Dynamic Church is going to be meeting here in our buildings on Sunday afternoons. Their service is going to be 1.30 to 3 o'clock, I think, uh, on Sunday afternoons. And that starts the first of March, the first Sunday in March. And uh, so we're very excited about that. And we're praising God and celebrating. And I want to just say, hey, you're a part of that too, because uh, we get to be a blessing to them and uh, to, to give them a house where they can worship and where they can grow, and God can do an incredible work in that particular uh, people group. Amen, everybody? And so we're super excited about that. If you didn't know that was something we're praying for, know that we do have a vision board here, and we're just believing that, that if God makes the provision for it, then we'll answer. We'll step into those spaces, and we've got plenty of those things, and I'll share some more about that later. But I just wanted to celebrate that and let you all know. Uh, you guys are the first to know because that just happened this week, and uh, we're super pumped about it. But all right. Well, let's get into what we're talking about today. We are in the book of Ruth, and uh, I want to just 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 put this out there because I know that for you, if you are a committed follower of Jesus, you are somebody who is all in. You're like, yep, God, I want to honor you with every part of my life, and you are single. The question is, how do I meet somebody in today's world and culture? How in the world do I do that? How do I, how do I meet someone? How do I date someone? And how do I marry them in a way that is honorable or God-honoring in today's culture that is anything but God-honoring, even within Christian culture today in the church? And I would say that, that when I talk to the single Christian people that are out there today, they'll tell me, Aaron, it's just complicated. It's hectic out here, and it's difficult. How do you meet someone as a Christian? And I'm your pastor, and so I want to help you out because I think what you might be needing are some Christian pickup lines. <laughs> so if you're ready, I have a top 10 list of uh, Christian pickup lines. Number 10, maybe what you need to do is walk into your grow group this week, and you've identified that hottie already, you know, somebody without a a ring on, and you're all rizzed up, ready to go. Did I say that, young people? Did I say that right? <laughs> all right. And you look at that, at that fine young thing, and you say, hey, you know, the Bible says to think on things pure and lovely. Must be why you've been on my mind all day long. <laughs> hey, honey, are you a fisher of men? Because you just caught my attention. <laughs> I think you've committed a sin because you've definitely stolen my heart. Oh, all right. Oh, that's so popular with the people. <laughs> that was number seven. Here we go. You know what? While reading the book of Numbers, I noticed that yours wasn't in there. <laughs> How would you like to join my purpose-driven life? Yeah. This is just silly. How many times do I need to walk around you to make you fall for me, babe? Now, I'm not claiming to be a prophet, but I could see us together. <laughs> oh, this is one of my favorites. Is your name Faith? Because you're the substance of all things I've been hoping for. Yeah. 
Girl, you must be a Bible verse because I'd like to hide you in my heart. And last but not least, number one, is it hot in here or is that just the Holy Spirit burning inside you? There you go. Thank you very much. It's your top 10 Christian pickup lines. <laughs> She's she picking them up. <laughs> I know you're spoken for, girl. Don't you pick those up. You don't need those. Woo. It's complicated, isn't it? It's complicated. If you are single and you are Christian, it is difficult, especially in today's world, because culture is anything but, but leaning towards God-honoring when it comes to dating, meeting, and marriage. It, it's not helping the situation at all. In fact, our world is a very strange place right now. For the very first time ever, there's some stats I'm going to share with you that are staggering when it comes to the dating experience, but for the first time ever, the majority of adults today are not married. It's the first time it's ever happened in history since we've been tracking this kind of information. It's the first time that the majority of adults are not married. In fact, over the last 50 years, marriage rates in the U.S. have dropped by nearly 60%. Another stat that will wake you up to how complicated it is is that 63% of men under the age of 30 are choosing to be single. They're, they're choosing it. It's not that they're forced into it. It's not that they can't find someone. They're choosing it. And if you were to ask them why, the answers are simple. They're like, well, dating's kind of a hassle. And when you go on a date, you feel like you're on a job interview. And not dating means that I've got some freedom. And honestly, Aaron, why pay for the cow when the milk is free? That's the true reflection of the culture of the world today. Another cultural issue is, is that 77% of millennials prefer to live with their partner before marriage. So what that means is, is they're, they're, they're dating, they're mating, and they're just playing house. They're pretending to do this. Let, let's just check it out. Because, you know, Aaron, you don't buy a car before you drive it. You don't buy a pair of shoes before you try it on. And we're not sure if we're compatible. Let me tell you something. If you're like this and she like that, you're compatible, Okay. Oh, and don't get upset with me. I'm just being honest with you. You don't need to try that out. You're compatible. Some of you are like, you weren't ready for me today. <laughs> Is this okay? He didn't even do the warning sign. Do, 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 do. We're going to talk about some stuff today. <laughs> but all these things, they add to the mindset that marriage and dating isn't worth getting right. So we just do what the rest of the world does. And as a result, because it's so complicated, we're delaying getting married. We're avoiding dating. But what's interesting is, is that everybody that you talk to, they still want that special someone. They, they don't want to get the marriage part right and the dating part right, but they still want that special someone that's committed to them for the rest of their lives. But we struggle. Because half of marriages outside of the church end in divorce. And the ones that don't divorce, more than half of them are not happily married. They're just married. They're miserable. And if we're being honest, something's not working. We're doing something wrong. And I'm here to tell you today, we've got to pivot. We absolutely have to pivot. We've got to stop doing what everyone else is doing. Because if you do what most people do, you'll get what most people get. Well, you, I mean, you, you can do it like the world's doing it. You can do it like music culture and, 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 and pop culture. You can do everything the way the world does things. You can do it the way the television shows tell you to do it. You can do it the way the app makers want you to do it. You can do it their way. But you're going to get the same results that everybody else gets. It's interesting to me is we, we just wouldn't play that game. We wouldn't run that risk with a lot of different things. We go, we've got to find something to do that is effective, something that is working. And yet, when it comes to dating and marriage and relationships, we just do it like everybody else does. You want something different, you have to take a different approach, which is what we're going to see in the book of Ruth today. We're going to find that there's a different approach to getting to know someone. There's a different approach to marriage and dating and ultimately finding the love that you want. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So quick review on the story of Ruth. If you weren't here last week, the backstory is really, really important to what's going on. So I'm going to review it again today. But, but the story of Ruth starts out with a man named Elimelech and his wife, Naomi. They live in Bethlehem, which is in Israel. 
and they have two sons, Malon and Kilion, and a famine hits. And they were in this time period that they lived their lives where everybody did what they saw fit in their own eyes. They had God's word, they had his law, and yet they still lived their lives and did everything the way they wanted to do, which sounds a lot like today. But at this time, a famine hits and and Elimelech is concerned. He's concerned for his family. As any, as any good father and husband would be, he's concerned. He doesn't want his family to suffer. He certainly doesn't want them to die. And so Elimelech takes it upon himself to move his family from Bethlehem to Moab. Why is that important? Because God told the Israelites, don't have anything to do with the Moabites. Don't fellowship with them. Don't do business with them. And certainly don't marry them and don't go live in Moab. And so Elimelech though, because he's scared and because he wants to do good for his family, disobeys God, moves his family there. And in the irony of the matter, he goes there to save them and winds up himself dying and his two sons as well. It's a story that opens up with tragedy. It opens up with loss and pain and heartbreak. And at the end of chapter one, we see Naomi, who is now left a widow. She's destitute, hopeless, and helpless, can't do anything. She's going to leave Moab and return back to Bethlehem. But she's not going alone because while she was in Moab with her family, her two sons married Moabite women. Boy, our kids are having a good time back there today. Bless God. I always celebrate when I hear them because I love that our kids are here and I love that they're having a good time. I love that that kids ministry cares about them and has provided that. Amen, everybody? So good. Anyway, sorry. Welcome to the ADD portion of the service. (laughs) Squirrel. (laughs) But while she's there in Moab, her sons marry two Moabite women and Naomi says to him, go back, go, go, go. You know what? You, you, the, the, my sons you married, they've died. I don't have any other sons. It's going to be a long time before I have any other sons because I got to find a husband. I got to have kids. They got to grow up and then they'll marry you. No, no, no. You just go on. That's too complicated. Got me pushing all these buttons. No, thank you. You, you just go ahead and go marry somebody now. Stay in Moab. And Orpah goes on to do that. And Ruth, Ruth says this to Naomi. She says, don't urge me to leave you. This is in chapter one, verse 16. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. So what Ruth is demonstrating here is is a turning. She's turning away from Moab. She's turning away from everything that she knew. She's turning away from the people. She's turning away from the God of Moab, and she's turning from all of those things, and she's turning to the God that, that Naomi knew from Bethlehem. And so Naomi and Ruth return to Bethlehem and they go back with their tails tucked because they are homeless, they are hopeless, and they are hurting. And I think some of you today, you can relate to that. You can relate. You feeling the tension of the hopelessness in your own heart, in your own situation right now. You don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to fix it. And everything you've done to try to fix it or to try to make it better has just made it worse. Some of you can relate to that. You're hurting. You don't understand why you're hurting. You don't understand why it happened to you. And there's no amount of asking that question that is bringing you answers. And today, I'm here to encourage you that for some of you who have been stuck in chapter one, what happened for Naomi and Ruth is about to happen for you. Because what happens is is that chapter one comes to an end and the page turns and chapter two begins. And I'm here to tell you that some of you have been in your chapter one for too long and God's about to turn the page of your life and you're about to enter into chapter two where everything changes because of God. If you believe that, can I get an amen? Here's what happens when you turn the page. You'll discover some good news is that when you turn away from Moab, you find God's blessings in Bethlehem. See, Moab was representative of doing things your own way. It's everything your best that you can bring to this life. But going back to Bethlehem, that's turning to God's ways of doing things. That's saying, God, I'm gonna honor you. I'm gonna give you my all. And so turning, when you turn back to God's ways of doing things in every area, of your life, you find God's blessings. So there's a chapter two for you. And chapter two begins today in in Ruth, and that's where we're gonna start. Chapter two, verse one. It says, now Naomi 
had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech. Remember, Elimelech is her, her uh, husband who's passed away. That's his name. And so there, there's a man of standing, and his name was Boaz. Boaz. Boaz was a man of standing, or the Bible says in another translation that he was a strong man. Now, it doesn't mean that he was physically fit. He might have been. He might have wore tight t-shirts on a regular basis. We have no idea. That doesn't mean that that's what he was. It means that he was a man of integrity, a man of internal strength, that he was a man of strong character. Boaz was also a man of wealth and a man of means, a man of property, and he owned a business, which we'll talk about here in a moment. He was a man of standing. And ladies, can I just help you for just a moment? A man of standing is better than a man of sitting any day. The loudest voice I heard was a man's voice <laughs> saying amen to that. Ladies, let's try this again. A man of standing is better than a man of sitting. There you go. Come on, ladies. I'm just, we're just having some fun here, okay? Let's just talk about it for a second. Because a man of sitting is somebody who is passive, is complacent, is willing to just take whatever is given to him. You do not want that kind of man. You want a man of standing, a man with drive, a man with dreams and some passion, a man who maybe even owns something, and he better, for crying out loud, have a job, ladies. You need a man of standing. You want a Boaz, and you need to have a Boaz. But too many of you girls have been settling for someone else. You've been settling for, and I heard this from another pastor, and he said it, so I feel permission to say it today. But ladies, you've not been going for a Boaz. You've been settling for lazy as, and broke as, and dumb as. I said as, for any of you that are upset. Some of you are like, Aaron, that's been the last three guys I've dated. And some of you are like, that's just one the last guy I dated. These all three of those things. All right, get them off the screen. We don't need to look at those. <laughs> Can we just have some fun today? Is it okay? This is a serious topic, but we need to have some fun. You don't want those. You want a man, you want a man of standing. You need a Boaz, ladies. Verse continues on, and it says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Now let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. So whoever that might be, she says, I don't know who I'm going to find. I'm going to go. And Naomi said, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. Pause. What does glean mean? Well, gleaning was essentially her going out and picking up the leftovers. See, God told the Israelites, you can read about it in Leviticus 19, he's like, when you harvest your grain, when you harvest your wheat, and you harvest your fruit, the stuff that falls to the ground, just leave it there. It's kind of like God's plan for a food pantry or, or for, for providing for the people that were less than, people that were outcasts, the foreigners, the widows, the orphans, the people that didn't have money, they could go to the fields where the harvesters were, and there was stuff all over the ground and they could pick it up. They could glean it, right? There was the leftovers, but God, it was intentional and God was caring for him. So Ruth is like, I got no prospects. I've got no job. I've got nothing. And I'm not going to just sit here and cry about it because the government's not going to support me. I'm going to go out. I'm going to find a job. I'm going to do whatever I can. And that meant working hard, long days in the field, picking up food for she and Naomi. And so she's out there gleaning in the field, trying to find food. And it says, and uh, it, as we continue reading, it says, as it turned out. Another translation says, it just so happened. We call that, if you just want to say it was coincidentally, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. See, it turns out, it just so happened that she was out in this field and coincidentally, it belonged to Boaz. Now, I don't believe in coincidences. My friend Anna says that coincidences are just Jesus in disguise. Some of you just believe that, that you are lucky and you are not. God is up to something. He's winking at us. And she just happened to come across Boaz. Now, what's interesting is, and I talked about this last week, is there are no miracles in the book of Ruth. There are many throughout the Bible, but there's none in the book of Ruth. That, you know, there's no walking on water. There's no staff that turns into a snake. There's no raising of the dead. We don't see any supernatural miracles. What we do see in the book of Ruth is the supernatural providence 
of God. You say, Aaron, what is the providence of God? I'm glad you asked. Thanks. It's when God uses natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural plans. That's what it is. And we see God doing this on every single page in the book of Ruth. It's his providence that is at work providing for them. So Ruth is just out there trying to get food. She's poor, she's desperate, she's hungry. And she goes out instead of sitting and posting how sad things are. And she's working in the field. She's doing what she can to help change her personal circumstances. And what do you know? It just so happens that she's out there in the field. It belongs to Boaz. This is the providence of God. You say, Aaron, how does that work for me? Well, the Bible tells us that God's providence is all over our lives. In fact, he tells us in Romans 8 that all things, all things, that means the good and the bad. Everybody say all. All means all. All things work for the good of those who love and serve him. They all, it all works out for your good and it says for his glory. That means people are going to see how you're going through what you're going through. And they're going to say, my goodness, I want what you have. I need to have that kind of relationship with God. So it'll be for your good, all the good and the bad things, all the, the stuff that, that happens to you. God's going to use it for your good and for his glory. And that theme is on repeat throughout scripture. That is God's providence at work in your life. So it turns out, it just so happens that she's working in this field belonging to Boaz. Now, last week we talked about this story and said if it was a movie, it'd be a rom-com. And in every rom-com, there's always a plot twist, right? Like uh, the, 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 the main character hits like rock bottom and then all of a sudden the hero or the heroine steps onto the scene, right? Steps onto the scene and that's what happens. Boaz steps onto the scene, this attractive hero, which by the way, he might not have been attractive. He might've been really ugly. We don't really know. But whatever it was, we know that he had some serious riz, which by the way, I've said that a couple of times, riz is short for charisma. Uh, yeah, that's just helping you people. Yeah, that's, I had to look it up myself because I'm like, is riz a bad word? Can I even say that? In other words, Ruth was reading, Ruth was reading what he was writing. She was picking up what he was throwing down, if you know what I mean. She was into him. Now, I, I don't know, when Shannon and I first, first met, we actually, uh, the information, we, we were introduced, uh, not, like not in person. I was given an email address and a phone number, and I was too scared to call her, so I emailed her, and we email, emailed back and forth. And I needed her to know that I was a man of standing. I needed her to know that when she saw me for the first time, because she wasn't going to see me in person, she was going to see me online, she was going to see a picture first, and I thought, you know what, I need to show her that I'm a man of means, that I'm a man of standing, and so I sent her a picture of me with a celebrity in his dressing room. That's right, the first time she ever laid eyes on me, I was standing next to Weird Al Yankovic, because I'm a man of standing. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, Aaron, Wow. She was not that way. She's like, is that Weird Al? Is that? Yeah, it was Weird Al. <laughs> but I had to seal that deal pretty quick, and it did it. I'm just saying. <laughs> now back to Ruth. As it turns out, it just so happened that she came across a man named Boaz. Now, why did it just so happen? Well, in chapter 1, we see, if you read the whole story, we see that, that there's a really cool moment that happens. Naomi prayed for Ruth. And what she prayed for him was, for her was, may the Lord show you kindness and may the Lord bring you a husband. She prayed for her. She prayed that that would happen. And I need you to know something today, friends, that when you pray, God listens. If it's on your mind, it's on his heart. The Bible tells us to cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. He wants to know. And so whatever it is you're looking for in, a, in someone to date, somebody to marry, talk to God about it. Don't wait until you've gone on every blind date. Don't wait until you've used every online dating service and you've tried every app possible. Pray and pray first. Talk to God about it. Pray for your spouse. You can do that. Shannon and I both prayed for each other. I had a list. I wrote out a list. It had some physical features. It had some qualities about her character. I was like, God, this is what I'm looking for in a woman. The physical features were not the prominent ones, but you can see I well outdid my list. God bless me, because she's hot, and I am not. No, 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 don't do it. I don't need it. No, no. 
I am aware that I'm like a, a three maybe and she's like a 20, right? I'm aware. When I stand next to her, I get a little higher, right? But I prayed for her and she prayed for me. Went to a prayer meeting, wrote down the qualities she was looking for in a man, dropped them in a prayer box and walked away and said, God, I'm just gonna trust you for this. Pray first, pray first. Some of you parents, you be praying for your kids right now. You can be praying for their spouses. You're like, my kid's four. Good, you got an early start. You can pray in that spouse that your kid's gonna need. Pray in a man or a woman of God. And you can pray out some of those ones that you want to just go away. You know what I'm saying? You got permission. Yeah. Some of you are like, I'm not sure I like this guy anymore. When we pray, God just so happens to show up. He does. So pray first. Pray first. So Ruth is out in the field working, and she just so happens to meet Boaz, who's a man of standing. And it says, while she was there, this is verse 4, it says, while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. Watch this, first thing out of Boaz's mouth. The Lord be with you, he said. And they respond, the Lord bless you. So what do we see about Boaz? Because first impressions are everything, right? First impressions are everything. The first thing we see is that Boaz is a leader, that he's kind, he's positive, Oh, and the first thing he mentions is his relationship with God. It's kind of important. He says, the Lord bless you. And if I didn't make you upset last week, let me go ahead and make you upset this week. If you are a fully devoted Christ follower, I don't mean a casual Christian, like you're here, you know, when it's convenient for you. And I don't mean that. If you are fully devoted, you are pursuing Jesus all the way. And you are dating someone and you don't hear them talk about God early in the conversation it's probably because it's not that important to them. If you don't hear them talking about their faith, if you don't hear them talking about God or Jesus or their church or serving people, it's because it's not that important. See, people tend to talk about what's most important to them first. So if you don't hear it early on in the conversation, I would tell you to go ahead and make an exit. If you are a fully devoted Christ follower, because it is not likely that that person sitting in front of you is serious about their faith. It's just not likely. I didn't say, are they perfect, but are they serious about their faith? People tend to talk about first what they value most, and you don't need to be involved with a casual Christian. It's not what you want. You want a Bible-believing, faith-filled, Christ-following man or woman of God. Ah, I should have got a better amen than that. That's all right. I'm hitting, I'm hitting home. That's okay. That's all, when you all are quiet, I know I'm getting in your business, and it's all good. You want a partner who knows how to pray and somebody who knows how to trust God. So we meet Boaz, and the first thing he talks about is his relationship with God. So not only is he a man of standing, but he's a man of God. And Boaz, you'll notice, he's not a priest, he's not a prophet, he's not even a pastor, and yet he's out there on mission. See, his mission field is his job, where he goes to work. He's not in full-time ministry, but he's in full-time ministry right? Because he's out there speaking life and blessing people in the name of the Lord. And you, you can do that too. See, he's a business owner letting God's love just flow and permeate into everything that he does. The Lord be with you. And while he's out there serving God, he notices Ruth. It just so happens to. And what did he notice? Well, probably not the things that you would think, because I think that sometimes we count ourselves out. We go, well, I've got some baggage and I've got a past and, you know, I, I, God could never link me with a man or a woman of God because of my past. All they're going to see is my brokenness. They're going to see my hurts. They're going to see my baggage. And that would be a fair assumption for Ruth because she's got some, right? There's lots to see. First, Ruth was a Moabite, so she's from the wrong people, the wrong people group for him, and, and she's also part of the Moabites who worship Chemosh, which means they sacrificed innocent babies to worship this demonic God. Now she's also widowed, which means she's not a virgin, which was a big deal at that time. She's also homeless and she's destitute. And she came with a grumpy, bitter old mother-in-law, <laughs> which is ironic because Naomi's name means sweet and she was anything but it. Read the story. You can see she is just bitter, man. She's just bitter. Ruth had a complicated past, but she didn't allow her past to define her. And I'm gonna tell you today, you don't do that either. You do not need to let your past talk you out of God's plans for your future. 
You just don't have to do that. Some of you disqualify yourselves because of your past. You say, well, I can't do this, or I could never be that, or I shouldn't have that because of the decisions I've made, the things that were done to me, the things that I've done, the things that I've said, but that is false. If God has called you, he's qualified you. So don't you dare disqualify what God has called good. Don't you do it. Your past may not be good, but God is good, and he is better than you think, my friends. He uses broken, hurting, and messed up people with baggage all the time. How do you think I got here? How do you think I got here? He had to set me free from pornography addiction. I came to him with a broken second marriage. I was angry. I was bitter. He gave me peace. He gave me joy. He showed me forgiveness, restored my marriage, broke me free from addiction, and put me on a path. He changed my life. And when he said, son, I got something for you to do, it was, yes, sir, let's go. The world is the one who defines your future by your past. But with God, it is not so. Your past doesn't define your future when God is in the mix. So Boaz is on the scene and he notices some things about Ruth and it isn't her baggage. It isn't her past. It's not her mistakes. What he notices is found in verse five through seven. It says, then Boaz asked his foreman. So he's, he's peeping on her from a distance, right? Now, if he if he'd had Facebook at the time, he wouldn't have had to ask anybody, right? He could have just looked it up. But he, they didn't have that. And so he leans over to his foreman. He's like, who's that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replies, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. Now, should have been a red flag. Goes right by Boaz, right? She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. That means she's poor. Should have been a red flag. Goes right by Boaz. She has been hard at work ever since. Oh, that's cool. Except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Now, it, most of us, when we read that, we're seeing the red flags, but not Boaz. He's looking at her in, in a different light. He is seeing her, who, by the way, is an unlikely pairing for him because she's got nothing. She's from the wrong people. She's got a past. And yet, he notices a few things in her. So what does he see? Well, he sees what any man of God would see in a woman of God who is standing out from culture. He sees four things. First, that she's faithful to God. By the way, guys, if you're taking notes, write this down. Ladies, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead. Write it down anyway. It'll be good for you. You'll need it. Listen, here's what he sees. The first thing is that she's faithful to God. She's loyal to her family. She's a hard worker, and she honors God morally. Let me unpack each one of those for you. First, she's faithful to God. She had turned from her false god, Chemosh, and said, your God, to Naomi, said, your God will be my God. So whatever you do, however you serve him, however you're supposed to live, that's what I'm going to do. And she turns to him, leaves behind everything, and says, I'm going to go and set up camp here with your God. She's faithful to him. She's loyal to her family. Naomi looked at her and said, hey, my sons are dead. You all can go back and get married. And, and the one daughter-in-law did, Orpah did. She went back. She, she went and did her own thing. But Ruth, Ruth was like, nope, I'm gonna be with you. I'm going where you go. Don't tell me to leave you. She was faithful and loyal to her family. She's also a hard worker. Ruth took initiative. She got up early in the morning to go out and get food for she and her mother-in-law. She took initiative. She's a hard worker. He said, she'd been out here working except for a few minutes in the shelter. She'd been out in the sun all day long, sweating, picking up this food. She's a hard worker, and she honors God morally. Now, that one's a little tricky, but you need to understand that widows at this time, a lot of them were forced into prostitution, selling their body, because when they have no prospects, when there's nobody else to, to marry them, and they have no opportunities, a lot of them, in order to pay the bills, would do that, even in a God-fearing country. They would take matters into their own hands, and they would prostitute themselves, but that's not what Ruth is doing. She's out finding food. She's out finding resources, and she's honoring God with her body by saying, I'm not going to do that. That would be to take my life in my own hands. I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to go out to the fields. So she honors God morally. Now, these qualities are what stood out to Boaz about Ruth. Because remember, guys, if you want something different, you got to do something different. Her past was not an issue to him. So ladies, be faithful to God. Be loyal to your family. Be a hard worker and honor God morally. These are qualities that men, if you're a man of standing and you're a man of God, these are the things you ought to be looking for in a woman. Too often, though, I hear the conversation, yeah, but Aaron, I got to be physically attracted to her. 
you know what? I think there's something to physical attraction. Absolutely do. But if everything you are basing the relationship with your spouse on, your future spouse on, is physical, honey, let me tell you something. Physical stuff changes. It changes over time, and it can change in a moment. Health, health issues arise like that out of nowhere. And if all you are fixated on is the physical nature of a person, when that changes, what happens to your relationship? Uh-oh, you're in trouble. Go deeper than physical. Go spiritual. It's better. I promise you, it's better. It matters more than you think. So Boaz is crushing on Ruth, and Boaz went over in verse 8. He says, went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. So he's like, I want to see you every day. (laughs) Stay right behind the young women working in my fields. See which part of the field they are harvesting and follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the wells. So Boaz is protecting her. He's making sure she doesn't get sexually harassed by the young men in the area. He's caring for her needs. And in verse 12, Boaz prays for her. He says, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Hmm. Now, Ruth, she wasn't feeling his riz before. She's feeling it now. You know what I'm saying? She's peeping some qualities that she notices in Boaz, the man of standing. And there's four. So guys, this is for you. Ladies, this needs to be your list. He honors her. That's the first thing he does. He honors her. He protects her. He provides for her. And he prays for her. Ladies, you need to find yourself a man who will honor you. Somebody that prefers you. Now, it may be old-fashioned to say somebody that will hold the door open for you. You know, my wife and I, when we go places... I, we, I started doing this to her a long time ago, and now she's learned, but she used to go up the doors in front of me, just embarrassing the tar out of me and open that door. And I started doing what I also do to my dogs, because when my dogs are doing something they're not supposed to, I go, eh, like that. And so I started doing it to her. I'm not recommending it. I'm just telling you it's what I did, okay? So don't, sometimes Pastor Aaron is descriptive, not prescriptive, okay? So I'm just telling you what I did. And so she reached for that door handle. I go, eh, don't you, don't you embarrass me like that. So now she goes up to the doors and she just stands and waits and she waits on dad to open the door for her, right? My pastor's got riz. <laughs> but, but not only about opening the door for you, taking you on a date where they have to tip and paying the check, that's, not, that's more than that. Find yourself a man who will honor you and prefer you first. That, that as the Bible describes, he's willing to lay down his life for you. And I don't just mean die. I mean that he's willing to lay down his video game controller that he's willing, willing to lay down his football team, that he's willing to lay down his preferences and his privileges, that he's willing to lay down his, all the guy time he needs. Come on, somebody. I'm just being real. I'm not saying he has to do it all the time, but he needs to be willing to. He needs to prefer you. He needs to honor you. You need to be first. And then he needs to protect you, not just physically. That's, of course, what Boaz was doing. He was protecting her physically. From, the, from other men, but, 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 but we also need to protect our lady's heart. We need to guard the way that we speak to her and the way that we treat her. We need to protect her, and we need to protect her purity, which is what Boaz did too. Because let me tell you something, fellas, when you're dating, and she's a fully, de- fully devoted follower of Christ, and she says, hey, sorry, no ringy, no dingy. She means it, and you need to help her, re- and you need to help her reinforce it. You need to help her protect her purity. Hmm. <laughs> he provides for her. So Boaz provides for her in this situation, not just picking up the check, but just but being generous. One of the things that Shanda said, she told me, we, so we, we dated for three months. I asked her to marry me because I liked it, so I put a ring on it. It's the one piece of Beyonce's advice that I took. <laughs> and we were married six months later, so nine months, God did a quick work in me, bless the Lord. Love it. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. One of the things she told me so early on, we used to have these things called cell phones, uh, little flip phone things, you know? And uh, if you were back in the day and you had one of them flip phones, you also remember uh, paying for minutes. 
Anybody remember paying for minutes? And man, you, you, you waited for those night and weekend minutes like to talk to somebody, right? A lot of your cell phone plans started at 9 p.m. You could talk to somebody for free. It didn't count against your minutes, but we found a plan that started at seven. It was great, but we didn't wait. And we kept talking and she wound up with a really big phone bill a couple months in, like a $500 phone bill, y'all. Yeah. And she's like, wow, I didn't realize we were talking that much. And I was like, I did because I got a high phone bill too, right? Uh, but, but, here's, but here's what happened. I, I offered to pay half of it for her. I was like, listen, we, I was on the other line of that phone and I'll pay for it. She said early on, that's one of the things to let her know that I was a man of standing, that I was a man of God, that I cared for her and that I would provide for her, that we were just dating. And I stepped into a, she didn't even have to ask me to. Provide. Oh, thanks. I wasn't looking for that, but I got it. I, I got it. I get it in her every day. So it's, it's all good. I get my well done. But provide. And the last thing, this is the most important one, I think, is that he prayed for her. He prayed for her, prayed with her. See, Boaz did not wait until he met the right person to learn how to pray publicly. Before he met Ruth, he stepped onto the scene. May the Lord bless you. He was already used to praying out loud and praying for people before he met her. And by the time he gets to Ruth, he's already ready to go. Let's go. I'm going to pray for you. Men, some of you just need to get comfortable praying out loud and talking to God and praying for people. Get in that space so that you can pray for the woman that you meet. You can pray with the woman that you meet. Ladies, these are qualities to look for in a man. It's more than his money. It's more than his status. It's more than his stuff. And it's more than his body. It's who he is. Men, these are qualities to develop in your own heart in your life. So in this situation, they're checking each other out, and then this happens. Verse 14, it says, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, watch this, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted, and she had some left over. Oh, See, if you don't know the rest of the story or even the rest of the story of the Bible, you don't know why that's significant, but I, I, I see it because This kind of stuff where she had all she wanted and had leftovers speaks to the kind of God that we serve. See, Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, he did it with five loaves and two fish. He multiplied it, fed all 5,000 men and the women and the children. So it was like around 15,000 people with five pieces of bread and two fish. And he had 12 baskets left over. It's a miracle, but that's the kind of God we serve. Paul talks about him in Ephesians 3 and says that he's the God who can do exceedingly. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think according to his power that's at work within us. That's our God. He's more than you can imagine. He's more than you can ever think. We serve a God who is guac because he's extra. And let me tell you something. That just got entered into everybody's vocabulary. You're welcome. Why are you so guac? Men, do not say that to your women. Do not. That is just a bad, bad, bad thing. <laughs> but let me tell you something. That's the kind of love you want with somebody. Somebody who exceeds your expectations by loving you in a way that honors God because it matters. It matters a lot. It's a very different approach. Very, very different approach. It's not bar, bar hopping. It's not app surfing. It's not blind dating. It's developing yourself and your relationship with God first. It's praying for your mate. It's patiently waiting on God to bring you your mate. Patience is not just about waiting. It's about how you wait. So what are you doing? Are you just sitting on your hands waiting on your spouse to come along? Or are you busy doing what God's got for you to do? It means go get a job, go live your life, go serve somebody. Come on. For me, I, this is what happened in my life. I'd been married and divorced, and I started dating again, and that was just frustrating. And I said, God, I'm done. And I wrote out the qualities that I wanted to my wife, and I submitted them to him, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop looking. I'm just going to stop looking. I started attending this church, and I started serving in this kid's ministry, and it just so happened. But that kid's pastor found out I was single and said, oh, I've got a girl you need to meet. She's real sweet. And he was right. He was right. It just so happened because I was patiently waiting on the Lord for what I'd prayed for. And it can happen like that for you too. You can find the love that you want. 
Set your sights on God-honoring qualities. Do something different. You'll get something different. Well, let me pause the story for just a moment because I, I want to summarize what we're seeing here because it's really important that you notice this, that you and I were a lot like Ruth, every single one of us. See, Ruth came into this situation. She was somebody that was far from God. She was a sinner because she had sinned against him in the way that she was living as a Moabite. And we're all sinners. The Bible says every single one of us have fallen short of God's standard. We're sinners. We're just like Ruth. And just like Ruth, she came empty-handed to the table, and so do we. None of us have anything that we can offer God in this relationship. We can't do anything to save ourselves, no amount of good works, no amount of apologies, nothing. We've got nothing. We are destitute, hopeless without him. Everything, we, everything good Ruth had came from God. Same for us. Everything good we have, we've gleaned from God's goodness. Everything. Boaz, in the story, he blesses Ruth and gives her more than she expected, and that's what God does for us. You see, God gave us his son. He gave the greatest gesture of love ever. Sent his son to live a perfect and sinless life, to ultimately become a sacrifice for ours. For the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission or forgiveness of sins. And our shed blood isn't enough to bring forgiveness. In fact, the way that we pay for our sins is spending eternity in separation from God. But God loved you so much. He's so generous. that he gave his only son to die for us, to be raised from the dead. And that if we were to place our faith in him, if we were to trust him, follow him, we have eternal life that's available to us and a full and fulfilled life here on this earth. That's God's promise and power to live the life he's called us to by the infilling of his spirit. Oh, he's so generous. He gives us so much that we don't deserve. He gives us mercy, he gives us grace, he gives us power, he gives us peace. And at the end of today's story, we see that Boaz invited Ruth to his table and that's what God does for us. Our past doesn't matter to him. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what you said, he doesn't care what you've done, he doesn't care what you've injected into your body. He does not care what you've drank. He doesn't care the mistakes that you have made. He doesn't care how many times you've made them. He just wants you. That's it. He loves you. He cares about you. And he's invited you to his table. We're all just like Ruth. No matter what your past has been, you can be made new. And I just love that. For some of you today, you've been living in chapter one. And it's time to turn the page. It's time to try something new. It's time to try doing things God's way. For some of you, that means coming to the table for the first time and accepting that invitation and saying yes to Jesus. I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. I may not do it perfectly, but I'm ready to turn the page. I'm ready to be in chapter two where I leave Moab behind and doing things my way and I step into Bethlehem, the place of your blessing, the place of your grace. I'm ready. I'm ready to leave that all behind and I'm ready to experience your love. And for those of you that are here today, you feel like you're hurting, you feel like you're stuck, it's time to turn the page. For some of you here that are caught in addiction, it's time to confess that thing and it's time to turn the page. Some of you that are here, you're losing hope in God, it's time to turn the page. Others of you are struggling with anxiety and you're stressed out, you're battling depression, it's time to turn the page. Whatever you're going through, God hears your prayers. And I am willing to bet that if you'll talk to him about those things that are on your heart, you'll find that you just so happen to step into his providence, into his supernatural provision as he begins to work in your ordinary circumstances for his supernatural purposes. God has more for you today. Amen, everybody. Let's pray. Father, today I'm praying for everybody who feels stuck in chapter one, for everybody who's lost hope, for everybody who's feeling destitute, who everybody, they don't know where to turn except to you. I'm praying that they do just that and that God in all of that, you would make all things new as they step into chapter two, as they turn the page today. Lord, whether that has to do with their marriage, their mind, 
their finances and their relationships, whatever that looks like. I'm asking you to begin moving in their lives as they turn to you and trust you today. And I'm speaking to you, those of you that are in this room with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you'll just talk to God about what's on your heart and what's on your mind, I promise you that he'll show up because he cares about it all. So just talk to him about it. Just surrender it to him. Some of you that are here today, you need to turn away from doing things your way. You need to turn towards God's way of doing things. God, help us to do something different so that we can have something different. Now, for those of you that are here in this room, you'd say, Aaron, I, I don't even know God. I don't have a relationship with him. I hear the invitation. I hear that, that he loves me. I hear that he's got a purpose for me, somebody who is broken, someone who is hurting. I hear the invitation and I'm ready to respond. And if that's you today, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, it doesn't mean you'll be perfect. It means that you're gonna let God work on you. You're gonna let him work on your heart. You're gonna let him capture your heart so that you'll love him, so that you'll know him. If you're ready for that, I'm gonna pray a prayer and you can pray with me. But before we pray, would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me today. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Do it now. Put your hand up. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, proud of you. Proud of you. Yeah, hands all over this place. Come on, Jesus. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Everybody, we're going to pray together. Nobody prays alone. So say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, you know, the, the Bible talks about heaven having a party and there's one thing specifically it talks about. It's when somebody repents, when somebody turns to God, the angels have a party. Simple Church, can we celebrate with people who said yes to Jesus today? Man. It's like this whole day was just set up for those of you that said yes today. And I really truly believe that. This is your day. This is the day that the chapter, you turn the page and you begin a new chapter. In fact, let us help you do that. If you said yes to Jesus today, reach. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.